Sippers, welcome to this episode of the Tea With Me podcast with me, your wee mate Shane Todd. A few things to get into before we get into the nuts and bolts of this episode. Number one is Mythstories, the brand new comedy history podcast from myself and Dr. Kieran Bartlett. We've been putting this out on Patreon for a while, there's quite a lot of episodes on there. It's gone public, we've put it on the stock market, buy, buy, sell, sell. This uh, is a lot of fun, even if you're not into history, it's great. We look at big historical subjects and decide whether they're hit or myth. Did they happen? Did they not happen? Is it somewhere in between? Uh, there's episodes on Julius Caesar, there's episodes on uh, the lost city of Atlantis. Michael, what else? What else? Um, Too long. There's loads of episodes on there. Robert uh, Robert De, uh, Robert De Bruce. Okay. Um... We are doing the SSE Arena. Tea with me is coming to the SSE Arena. There's going to be 6,000 sippers there. At this point of recording, there we released the last batch of tickets. I don't know if there will be some left by the time this episode comes out, but if they, there are, you can go on Ticketmaster, SSE website, check out the description for this. I am on tour doing stand-up everywhere. I'm doing the UK, Ireland. Uh, by this point, I think my dates will be out for Australia. New Zealand, Canada, America, and the Middle East. Uh, there's one Middle East date. It sounds like I'm, I'm doing loads. I'm just, I'm just doing Dubai. Uh, that's ShaneTalkComedy.com, which is also in the description. We are sponsored by none other than Manscaped. What's going on with your balls, my friend? Everything okay down there? Manscaped, you need to go and just check. See, if you, even if you think everything's all right down there and you're not a Manscaped user, go to Manscaped.com and see what it's all about. These guys have everything. They're nuts, <laughs> literally. Uh, they've got, what am I looking at here? What products are on the shelves? Ball deodorant, and then just, just deodorant. And that's, that's actually just deodorant. Beard oil, beer balm, clear groin shaving gel. Ball toner. They've got this beard trimmer here. They've got a brush. Is that a beard brush, Michael, is it? These guys are wild. There's everything. Crop preserver. They do cologne. They do my favorite product, which is the Lawnmower 4.0. Wireless wireless technology. Wireless what, Michael? Wireless charging technology. WCT. They've got it all. Go to manscaped.com. Use the code T with me for 20% off and free shipping. The link's in the description. They put a lot of stuff together, packages together, so you can bulk buy some of this stuff and it'll change your life. It'll change your balls. Change your marriage. My guest today is someone I've wanted on the podcast for a long time, but very selfishly, he plays all around the world, so he's not often here. Thankfully, he's doing some shows at the Waterfront Hall at the minute with the Ulster Orchestra. They're happening this weekend, so we've managed to to get him, which I'm absolutely delighted about. I'm a huge fan of this guy and his music, and I just love that he's from here, and he's an artist to spread his wings all over the world, he's collaborated with some of the biggest names in music, and he has a backlog of phenomenal, phenomenal work. If you're a fan of Foy Vance, you're not just a fan of his music. It's it it's it's more than that. His his songwriting is so good, and then he has just the best voice as well. And it's just if if you are one of the few people I'm sure like that likes the podcast that. Uh, has not yet checked out Foy Vance, you need to do that. He is huge and he's just a very original, great artist. And you can tell I'm a massive fan. I tell him that in the episode. I uh, fill up a wee bit 
in the episode. We sort of get deep about a few things, and I get to hear more about his his backstory and uh, just what he's all about. Um, a great guy, a great guest. This absolutely lived up to my expectations, and um, I really wish I was going to see his shows this weekend. But I'm in the moy tonight. You got to take care of business. Ladies and gentlemen, sippers, please enjoy this episode of the Tea With Me podcast with the one and only Foy Vance. I'm, I'm, there's a question I always ask guests at the start, and then I've stopped doing it for ages, but I want to bring it back. The podcast is Tea With Me. Are you a tea drinker? I, I, like, a, I like tea, for sure, but uh, more coffee. But then you travel a lot, so were you, did you have to sort of accept that when you traveled the world a bit more, the tea wouldn't be the same? If you get me, I had, yeah, I used to travel with tea bags. Would you believe? Right. Uh, but that's uh, that's that's going back a long way. A sandwich fact, bag, or something like that. Do you know what? I actually it was leaves I had. Assam. It was an oh a- raw tea. <laughs> yeah, it was an Assam. What was the blend I had? I like the blend of Assam and English breakfast. I think it was. And then I got in. I got mad in the lap sang so chung. Have you ever had that? Like a real smoke. It's kind of like uh, the Lafroig of teas. So I'll be honest. I thought I was—I knew a lot about tea, and in the last twenty seconds, I realised I don't. And I—I I, I, no, I'm just—I'm just Punjana. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. I'm not into like yeah. I haven't broadened my tea horizons really. But like yeah. that all sounds great. But I do that thing now where I travel with tea bags, and then wherever you are in the world, they're selling it anyway. Yeah, you know they sell the Irish and all the, all those kind of teas. Is I, it Punjana for the taste, or you, like why Punjana? Is it just because it sounds like a euphemism? Makes you feel it's just it's just familiarity, in it. Yeah, you know it's what keeps me. You know my rider on tour is tea, almond milk, and water. Yeah, that's it. What's on your rider? Uh, do you know what? At the minute, a lot of zero beers. I'm off the I'm off the drink. Oh okay. Uh, so a lot of zero beers just mm-hmm. to make me feel like I'm still drinking. Right, right, right. <laughs> um. Is that how has that changed? Like, has that changed the shows in any way? Like the way you feel on stage, or like, would you have had a couple of beers on stage and before? And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That, that was that was the problem. <laughs> right. That was the problem. We did on the tour that I did before this. Uh, my manager had me sign a, an agreement, and everyone on the team signed a contract saying no alcohol before the show. Mm-hmm. But then I would have made up for it after the show. Right. Was the problem? <laughs> so then the next day I'd have been hanging. Right. Um. I guess the difference is in the shows, I don't know, you need to ask the folks that come along. I guess I'm a lot less obstreperous. <laughs> well, I don't know what that means. I'm so sorry. Just a better, I'm, I'm less of a fucker. Right, right, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Oxford d- dictionary. Yeah, I think it is. Up. If you look up obstreperous in the dictionary, it just says, we fucker. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm really nervous about uh, about this. I never get nervous doing these episodes, but I'm a, a, a massive, I'm not play cool, I'm a massive, massive fan. Oh, of yeah. yours and, and have been since I even remember I used to do some stuff with ATL like Cross the Line yeah. back in the day for Radio Ulster I would have like reviewed gigs it was big in the local music and you did a cover of maybe you can tell me how long ago this was Crosstown Traffic by Jimmy Hendrix oh, holy shit that's going back to I used to cover that when I was opening up for Bonnie Raitt so that's I was an obstreperous lot time, <laughs> length of time ago I don't know if I've used that right uh, when in Rome <laughs> yeah <laughs> But I remember you did that, and I heard that on radio, and right. uh, ever since I've, I've like I've been big into your music, oh, well. and then I found out you were like your a fellow like North Down guy. Yeah, you're from Bangor because, yeah. like you know, if you, if you were to listen to your music and your voice, you know, I I, I it, it's 
it's like when you discover someone's from here that you don't expect to be from here based on like their voice and their style yeah. of music it's great to know that you're just like from up the road can you not hear it in my songs according, I, I, to, I, I, according to Kieran Bartlett you can hear that in my songs every now and then what's he been saying fuck Kieran Bartlett what's he been saying never mind huh? let's go up to the studio and fuck it up it's upstairs <laughs> let's wreck it on him let's go pitch on his sofa do you know what we, well it's a bit far but we could <laughs> we could loosen his let's loosen his chairs he's at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival at the minute so when he comes back on he, he fall there you go uh, no Kieran Bartlett honestly t- terrible guy some very extreme political views that I don't want to go into but <laughs> not good um yeah, but I, I suppose it was because, you know, I was I was hearing this this music and I was like, who is this guy? And then I I remember googling you back in the day and I say like, he's from Bangor, mm. and uh, where are you from? Hollywood. Oh yeah. And Hollywood and Bangor have that wee sort of middle class rivalry. You know, we're yeah. we're rivals. But if it came to like a, a an all out town war in Northern Ireland, I would be all be out with our pea shooters. We'd pair up, yeah, yeah, and conkers. Yeah, we'd come yeah, out with our conkers. Yeah. I'd show you. Well, we'd send our butlers. But <laughs> but you know Hollywood and Bangor there's like a wee bit of a maybe it's because I played football back there was always a wee mm-hmm. bit of a rivalry but I gotta say like the song Bangor Town almost makes me I'm like ah that's I feel that you know yeah. I, I mean I would I wish we could do a remix and make it Hollywood Town but well I, I that that's weirdly a song that I I I don't know whether what you've done with like the background of the song but I feel like I can feel the place in the song yeah. and I feel like I don't know if this is weird but you know, if you go round the corner from McKee Clock, yeah, like I towards maybe where the salty dog is. I see Cliff Road, yeah. In my head, you're singing it there. That's weird that you would say that. Honest to God, that's where I am in my head when I'm singing it. So maybe that comes across. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's where I would go to. That I would spend a lot of time in those rocks growing up. And then you, when you mentioned Filthy's Bar in it, yeah, because I've always liked that song. Then I did a, um, I think it was earlier this year, I did a world tour of Bangor. I did four gigs in one night in Bangor. Love and that. I did Filties, the back bar of Filties. Yeah, I love it. And I loved it. There was the connection for that song. So you you grew up in, what what, what part of Bangor did you grow up? Uh, Bloomfield Estate for the most part. Right. Yeah. And and when did you like leave? Because I, I don't know much about like your backstory. I just know you're from Bangor and then see that you're traveling the world, playing yeah. music, collaborating with some huge people and... So many of my friends are fans, but I don't know what that where that in between bit is of like how you got into the business and am I in the business? I don't I still don't feel like I'm, my manager's in the business. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just write the songs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Grew up in Bangor for the most part. When I was about one, we moved out to the states. My dad was a preacher. I'm giving you the full story. Yeah, here yeah. Now. No, I want it. I want it. Uh, I don't know it. Yeah, he was a he was a preacher for the Church of Christ and moved us out to Canton, Oklahoma. Um, spent a few years there, came back, uh, grew up in Clanley Boy and Bangor and then moved to Bloomfield Estate. That was the formative years, you know. Did your, did, like, your music influences, like, like the fact your music is very soulful uh, and, yeah, it's, 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 it sounds like, I, I grew up listening to a lot of, like, Motown. Uh-huh. My dad had, like, I think three cassette tapes in the car at all mm-hmm. times, the same three, and it was all, it was like Motown taped off the radio. Uh-huh. So I love, like, soul music, I love music like that. And your music, a lot of your music feels like that to me, like very soulful. So did, that, did the influences of that come from maybe when you were in America in those early years? Like you... Do you know what? I think so. I, you know you know that saying, uh, give me the boy to the age of seven and I'll give you the man. I think a lot happens in those formative years that you, do, you, know, you can't even put your finger on. I think uh, being exposed to uh, gospel music in that way definitely had a larger impact on me than I even realised until way later on. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, I was kind of lucky in the sense, musically, in the sense that, well, there was that uh, church music. My dad was Church of Christ, so they don't allow instruments because that's you're going to hell if you play an instrument. Apparently. Oh yeah, I don't know what the fuck that's about, but there you go. Horses for courses. <laughs> it was kind of cool though because then what would happen was people would find their parts, you know. So like the, the there was always incredible singing, right, going on. Um, so I had that. And then I have three older brothers, and the eldest brother, Easton, he was an he was an avid collector. He had everything from Michael Jackson to Meatloaf and everything in between. Just uh, um, the other brother, Colin, he was into uh, the Who and and the Jam, but also like old trucker music. He had an old eight track uh, player. Do you know what an eight track no, is? No, no, I don't even know what that it's is. It's like a cassette thing, but a huge big cassette. Uh, uh, he had one of those and they're all like trucker music, Chris Christopherson, the yeah, highway, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And then the next brother down, Paul, he was into the Exploited and the Damned and the Clash and the Sex Pistols. And uh, So the house was awash with all that. My mum was into like 50s, 60s, like crooner music and all. But it all sounded like music to me, I right. guess. You know, it all, uh, yeah, it all sounded uh, incredible to me. Like another world. It felt like somewhere to escape to. Yeah. When you came back from America, did you have an American accent? I did, yeah. And yeah. how did that go down in Bangor? Well, I lost it pretty quick because I was five. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Candy very quickly became sweet, so you were getting clipped. <laughs> yeah. The fuck you mean, Candy? Stick your Candy up there, old man. I, um... When you, you know, were around that period where I would have started listening to you, like when you were doing stuff for Across the Line and that sort of thing, I I feel like, and I maybe don't know, but I feel like you, it seemed to me you were in America more than you were here. Like your music maybe took you away from here. What, mm. wh why, why, what was there like a reason for that or a moment where you decided to travel more and... Uh. Well, I mean, you 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 have you have to travel, don't you? Um, so, were you like, were you on the scene here? Were you maybe doing pubs and things like yeah, that? Yeah, I was and, doing the pub circuit. I right. was doing the pub circuit, and I would I would try and sort of wedge my own songs in to as many sets <laughs> as I could, uh, and set up original nights. But <clears throat> and I was I did sort of do the singer songwriter night here for a while and. Do you ever did you ever get here in Hollywood? Uh, oh, I, yeah, I played here in Hollywood. I played in the the Priory. Yeah, it was, yeah, is it open? Still? No, it's been going. Uh, yeah, for I years. played in the Priory a lot. Um, where else did I play? I played the Dirty Duck down by the shore. Oh, right. Did there a lot. It, uh, see, see um, so my dad used to go to Duck every Friday night with right. mates, and when I got a bit older, I would, I would go down and meet them for a drink. And they used to have downstairs on a Friday some amazing uh, bands and singers on. It was brilliant. It was a great wee room for stand-up. Yeah. Or for, for uh, music, sorry. Um, I, I knew you, man. I was just rolling with you. Um, but it was, it, was, it was great. So you were... So I, I, I kind of didn't even realise that you were on the scene here. I, I, I thought you'd established yourself Well, I suppose elsewhere. it did with regards to, you know, doing my own thing, uh, my own songs. It was a mixture of the two. I kind of felt like... Uh, and it was nothing to do with here. It was more to do with me and my mindset. It felt... It was hard to to go and do the um, the pub circuit, and then and then you know suddenly turn around and try and charge people to come and see me do my own songs. I, right. It, it just uh, didn't weigh up. So I 
I stopped playing for a long time and just was working on a coffee uh, a coffee place. We were importing coffee because um, I felt like I need a break from... I, when I play music, I just want to play my own stuff and that's right. it. And the opportunities for that were further afield. You mm-hmm. know, I think it's... You know what's blessing and curse about this place is, as a creative is that there's no... Uh, there's no really founded music industry infrastructure. Yeah, it's not you know it's not really established here, and that's great in the sense that it's like you know if you cut out light from flowers, they're gonna stretch further, get brighter colors. You know, just they they to get themselves seen type thing. I think that happens creatively here because because of the a sort of lack of infrastructure. People work a bit harder. That's why the place is rife with talent, you know. Well, well I think exactly the same thing with stand-up, but more recently that, that happened. That's an in, explosion of stand-up at the it, minute. It's b- because there was no real kind of support for it. You know, yeah. people would talk about the great performing arts that we have here, like music, the actors that we have, all that kind of thing. And stand-up was always like really ignored. Mm. So we just had to, do it ourselves you know there was no maybe like you're talking about there was no path there was no you do this venue and then you move up to do this and mm. we help you do this you just had to take a punt and I remember even I remember doing Mandela putting on a show in Mandela Hall when I was like a kid and mates of mine who, who who would have always supported me other comedians being like you're mental for you know what if no one shows up but mm. we just we all just gave it a go and did people show up people showed up yeah yeah. You sell it out? No, seven people, but... It, uh, <laughs> no, I it sold, it sold it's it a out. Start. We all got to start somewhere. Yeah, so, sold it out. And <coughs> and I feel like ever since then, we everyone's just had a DIY attitude t- towards mm-hmm. it. And I think that's why there is the explosion of stand-up, because audiences mm-hmm. are going, these guys are just they're doing it themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, they're independent. There's no, there's nothing like this that's really gone before them in terms of the scale of the of the gigs. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that's that's why there's a boom for stand up now. Like there would have been for music maybe ten, twelve, fifteen years mm-hmm. ago. You know, local when I when I was doing things with ATL and really into my local music, everywhere like bands like General Fiasco, Two Door Cinema Club were yeah. kind of coming up then. Yeah. And uh, and now I feel like it's stand up's turn. Yeah. Which which is, and and there, I, I can't. People ask why why stand up booming so much, but. I don't know if there's a reason for it. Like it's just, Ask people like to laugh. Yeah, true. You know? Yeah. It 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 just has blown up and it has been people doing it for for themselves. And I'd be surprised if you don't have to at some point yourselves reach out and go go further afield. I mean, you're already doing I'm trying it. To do you, it. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, you're already yeah. doing And I think that's the thing. I mean, because it's such a small place you sort of hit the ceiling pretty quick. If yeah, you, if you yeah. can sell 5,000 tickets, you're not going to be able to do that gig every every month. Yeah, and you you're not going to be able to have that residency. You want to challenge yourself. Yeah. Go, can I can I do it elsewhere? Yeah. Um, where did you move into for the first time? Was it over to England or where did you do your first gigs outside of here? Uh, yeah, it was mostly kind of UK and uh, Europe. Um, I moved over there just to be closer to closer to what was happening because all the you know any tours that were coming through were, you know, always going through the mainland. Uh, were you trying to like jump on to maybe support people? That was one hundred percent what I was trying to do. I, I I lucked out early on. I got on a sport tour with Bonnie Raitt, and being on tour with Bonnie Raitt was an eye opener. It kind of it, it helped me cultivate uh, my own ideas for how I want to uh, operate moving forward. Because she wasn't on 
the cover of magazines. She wasn't on the breakfast TV show. She wasn't on breakfast radio shows. She wasn't, you didn't open the paper and see the adverts for her. Um, and yet every gig we went to was sold out with people who were, you know, completely invested in her as an artist. And Coming year on year. And it was just like, there you go, that's it. it like she's cultivated the relationship between her and her audience directly. Yep. Uh, yep. And I thought, well, that's the way to do it. And the only way to do that is to get in front of people. So, um, I mean, by the time I was releasing my first album, I was 32. You know what I mean? Is that... A baldy white Irishman. Yeah. You know, singing about cancer and heartache. Who yeah. the fuck wants to hear that? Yeah, yeah. Labels, they, no one was interested. Right. No one was interested. My only hope was to kind of go out and play live and hope that, you know, if I, I figured, I, I set up a, a, my own record label at the time called Word of Mouth because my thinking was... If I'm any good, then people will tell other people. And then when I come back, there'll be more people than there were the first time. And if I'm not, well, then lesson learned. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I'll go back home and start importing coffee again. Call Russell here. That job's still going. <laughs> uh, you know, just keep keep going. Get in front of people. So I supported uh, Bonnie, Taj Mahal, Buddy Guy, uh, Tori Amos. Kinda, uh, just a, a very wide variety. Joss Stone. Like anyone that would, anyone that wanted an opener, I would go and open because I was thinking, well, I, you know, this I'm is, still doing that right now. I love, I love that. Isn't it killer? Because it's someone else's audience. Exactly. Any, any of the American comedians that are coming over here, which partly because of the boom of local stand up, international acts are, yeah. oh, well, let's check out Belfast. And yeah. last year, Kevin Hart did shows over here. So that's made them wow. all go, oh, let's, let's do this. Where'd he play the SSE? We did 24 shows in the, in the limelight and Lavery's. He was over. I, I swear, I, I, I mean, any opportunity. Twenty four shows and twenty four. <laughs> he was overshooting a Netflix movie for three months. Someone phoned me. We have the same agent, but I feel like we're at different priority levels. Um, what, what makes you think that? <laughs> Is it because you're white? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they said uh, they go listen. Kevin Hart's coming over to shoot a movie for Netflix for three months in Belfast. He might want to do a gig when he's over here. Would you be interested in, in doing the gig with him? I said, we'll see. Ask me another right. time. Um, I said, I'm, I'll do whatever. I'll do yeah. his laundry if he wants. I'll, <laughs> I'll make him his dinner, whatever. Um, you know, I was like, you can come to my granny's house for Sunday dinner. And she died years ago, but I was just panicked. Um, <laughs> Has anyone got a granny? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, and they said, you know, big Amer my you know it was like the big boss american agent who's not even my agent he goes you're going to be kevin's Belfa belfast best friend i was like this is unbelievable wow so i we thought he wanted to do one show so he did the i think it was lavery's middle floor in lavery's what is, what is that whole like 100 people? 100 people um because oh. he was testing out his new show for yeah. the recorder special so i opened for him and then the next uh the night after his manager said to my promoter we'll do another one next week we did 20, he, he, his residency was basically in the small room of the limelight, limelight there too. Wow. And I would do 15 minutes before him. And then we finished it off with, we did 22 of those, I think. And then we finished off with three arena in Dublin, SSE in Belfast. Wow. And you're talking about, you know, watching her on tour and seeing like, that's the way I want to operate. Uh -huh. Every night I was like, I'll watch his first few shows. And then after my support, I'll probably just head home. To, uh -huh. My kids are really young. So it was like, oh, go home. I watched every single show just to see how that progressed from the first show he did to then see how he does it at the arena. Well, they was, call that taking class. Right. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. It was exa 
I almost wasn't laughing because I was just watching yeah, yeah. every the yeah. way he moved, the way he handled the microphone, all of it, uh-huh. and it was the best education. And and you know, there's there's some performers, I'm sure, music and comedy, who would go, you know, I'm, I'm sort of past opening for people. I don't want to do. I just want to do my own shows. It, it's I can't see why you wouldn't want. It's so fun. Yeah. You know, there's no yeah. pressure on you. You're going yeah. out. I fucked up his intro. I've told the story on podcast before, but as a performer, I think you'll appreciate this. Get to the very end. We're doing three arena in Dublin, sold out 10, 10 11,000 people. And the way it worked with all the Belfast shows was I would roughly do 15 minutes. But so when I arrived at the venue and started my set, him and his team would arrive through another door. I never met him. Like, you're going to be Kevin's Belfast best mates. 22 shows, I never met him because he would arrive when I was on. <laughs> Through a different door. I was basically a human decoy, right? So that he didn't get mobbed going in. And then when he was ready to go on stage, some someone would flash me with a torch from the side. So I'd book for 15 minutes, but that might be 10 minutes or 14 or 25. I just had to keep going and then wrap up what I was on. But they were dead on. They would say, finish what you're on, which was good because you don't want to stop a joke halfway through. Anyway, did all that and it, it, it went smooth. And then we're doing Dublin and I'm pr- pretty nervous, obviously. It was the biggest gig I'd ever done in my life. And I go out, my mate Colin's on, on the bill as well. He does his set, then it's me, and then I have to bring Kevin on. Biggest moment of my life. like, and Because it was a different promoter, because it was in Dublin. I assume we were doing the same system. So I do. I booked to do 20 minutes. So at like 1930, 1940, I've done the punchline to my bit. It goes over, and I'm like, right, happy days. That's 20 minutes. And I looked at the side of the stage, and there's no one going like, fill more time. So I'm like, happy days. I go, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for the man you're here to see? Oh, Everyone, ah! I said, please welcome to the stage, the one and only Kevin Hart. Now, some nights in the Belfast shows, he'd come on and shake my hand, would do a wee, a wee hug. Some nights he would wait till I'd left Tell and then he'd come on. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, are you the tech? Take everybody, take <laughs> he's like, um, So this night in Dublin, I, I intro <laughs> oh, him and Tony over there was there with me. Um, I re- I after they they depl- so his music hits and all the lights go up. He hadn't come on, so I thought he's gonna wait for me to walk off. I go, you know what? Give this one to Kev. He wants a stage to himself. It's Kev's night, so I walk off. Um, and he wasn't there. Oh no! And the whole backstage area in the wings, there's just twenty people doing this, and he he was nowhere to be seen, and the music's playing and the crowd have stopped applauding and cheering, and I went. Do you want me to go back out when he wasn't ready to come on? Oh. I was like, but I had no Did way of knowing. My toes are curling. We waited, away, we waited about two minutes and then they went, go and introduce him again. And he arrives down, tucking his shirt in. He, he was just getting dressed. And I had to go back out and go, ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Hart. And I thought, I'm done. I was like, the agents are going to drop me. I'll not get to do Belfast the next night, the SSA Arena. And I can understand why I fucked up his intro at an arena show. It was never mentioned again, bar his tour manager from America, who just came over for the arena show, said to me before Belfast, he went, you the guy bringing him on? I said, yeah. He said, once is a mistake, twice is a habit. And I went, okay. And then I got, I nailed it for Belfast and all was good. But it was never mentioned. That's a good saying, isn't it? it, it yeah. Once is a mistake, twice is yeah, a habit. Yeah, made me go all scared and all. I was yeah. like, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Yeah. <laughs> He's younger than me. I was like, I'm so sorry, mate. Yeah. But, uh, but I just, I couldn't be talked on. That night, Everyone's like, don't worry, it's fine. I, c- I couldn't be talked on. I know. It was Listen. the most. Have you had like a, a bad, have you had like a problem on stage with like a tech pro, anything you, well. I mean, yeah. I, I'm trying to think. See, I feel like it's more difficult for a musician because I can talk about 
I guess you can too, but I mean, yeah. I can make a joke about it and that kind of thing. But well, I would often do that if things go awry. You know, just kind of yeah. talk shit about it for a minute. Yeah, and try yeah. and Get out of it. Try and charm them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that that kind of stuff happens. Uh, I I can't think of anything that I that I can say on her. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe with a zero percent beers now, they're going to be less, less, yeah, they'll, less. They'll be, they'll be less, that, less mishaps sure. and that yeah, kind of yeah. thing. It's more kind of things that I've said on stage. That's the first things that come to mind are right. things that I remember the night that I said that. Uh, probably when you were when you were starting, and even when I was starting, whatever you say on stage is not a problem because there's no no one no one has the phones out. Yeah, but now right. everybody at the concert yeah. has the phone out that was one thing in that tour that amazed me they made you check your phone into a magnetic envelope yeah so no one that. had the phones out love that do you see that more and more that people have the phones out oh yeah of course I mean, but that's been that's been the way for yeah. a decade yeah. you know if not longer uh, yeah it's, it was a, it was a strange change. initially I used to kind of say here Keep your phones in your uh, by your side, and don't don't you know be here, be present. Yeah, don't yeah. be on your phone. Don't be watching the gig like that. Yes. Um, and then realized it was it was a diminishing return. You know, people just think you're a fussy bastard, and right. I guess yeah, I probably was just being a fussy bastard. But at the same time, you're trying to say no. This is for you. Yeah, if any of us could pick, we would want the phones away because yeah, be here, be here not present. Me. You may as well be at home. Yeah, watching if you're watching it through the phone. Especially with a gig, I mean, at least with a, a film and a comedian, the, it's going to come across the same. Yeah. But a song, yes, yeah, <laughs> it's going to sound Who's like what? shit. You've made music videos for these songs; they're better than someone's recording you know what from I mean? it's the like, back just of the SSC. Put your phone away, and yeah. Do you get like, would you? Do you get like heckled at shows? Like, would you? Do you hear things being shouted out, or with everything that's going on, and the band and that kind of thing? Do you not hear? Uh, no, I I hear it. Yeah. Anything thrown you off? Uh, I'm sure because I imagine you probably have people when you're gigging in all around the world. There's probably always at least a few people in from home, from here. Oh, I uh, that have come to see you. Do so. Do you hear those? You know, I. But it's uh, usually just some old bullshit. You know, like <laughs> I know your cousin. <laughs> yeah. like, what are you gonna do nice with that? One. Yeah. <laughs> so this next song is. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know yeah. what the. F- all right. Yeah. Uh, I'm a banger. Yeah. Good. That's, that's yeah. well done, you. I had a guy every year at solo shows would shout, Your dad nicked my lawnmower. Every did year. Did your dad actually like, nick probably. his lawnmower? He probably did. That's did you never thing. get like, to the bottom of it? I'd have wanted to get to the bottom never of it. Never got to the bottom of it. I said to my dad, mm. He's like, oh, Probably might well have. Might have happened years ago or something. And mm. I used to have a back and forth with him and I'd wait. I I'd, I'd be doing like the waterfront or something where you're gonna where you're playing this weekend and I'm trying to relax, enjoy the show, and I'm like, This fucker's gonna any minute. I'm gonna every year I'd have to come up with a new response for him, you yeah. know, to like to cut him down. Yeah. But he stopped, so I think my dad's maybe like gone and made it right, you know? Yeah. Be the B and Q and just sort but of. But I get think it. it's it's a I mean it's like shooting fish in a barrel, really, isn't it? And we've got a microphone yeah. and people, there's a room full of people that are paid to come and see you. I mean, you don't need to say much other than no one wants to fucking hear you, mate. Yeah, yeah. And well, then that's the end of that. What was the first <laughs> gig you did outside of here? Was it over in England or were you, did you go somewhere further afield? I'm trying to think. And also, did you have like musician mates from here who were also at the same time trying to break through as well and, and going away from here? Uh, 
Maybe I did. Did I? I, I don't know. I never. Uh, I was always sort of just doing my own thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I know that I never really plugged into the scene as such. I mean, there's more of a scene now. More of a kind of collaborative scene. There has been uh, over the last decade. Uh, bands coming together, putting on their own events, and all helping each other out, playing each other's bands, all that kind of thing. But you well, seem to have been doing that for a hell of a long time, like always being involved with other musicians and. Yeah, well, that was I, I had to kind of you know that was uh, I had to carve that out as mm-hmm. a reality because it wasn't necessarily the way when I was first coming up. It was just singer songwriter nights, every man for themselves, and I don't know if. I was talking about this last night at the show, like singer-songwriter nights, they can be the most fucking boring nights. Right, yeah. You know, just like where the, the intros to the songs are even longer than the songs. Right, itself. right. You're thinking, like, just sing the fucking yeah. song. Like, is it, if it's not in the song, if we can't get it from the song, we're not going to get it from your intro. Yes. Uh, and everyone was just kind of, I don't know, on their own, uh, on their own kind of band. So I... I guess I did the same. I, I just got myself out of Dodge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to be away. I don't know why I wanted to be away. I don't know if I thought it would be better to be away. Like most Irishmen, you know, we need to leave here before we realize what we've got yep. right at our feet. Yeah. Um, so what what age were you not living in Bangor then? What age were you, was it like in your 30s? Uh, no, no, no. I, well, I, I got married at 23 and I moved to Lanzarote. Oh, why? Yeah, for, for a year. Yeah. Uh, just to get away again, it was like the kind of the plan was to just get away from the uh, playing six nights a week mm-hmm. in, in the bars. <laughs> I just went and played six nights a week in the bars over there. Well, why not be in Lanzarote if you're playing music <clears throat> six nights? Why not make it in Lanzarote? Yeah, I guess it was, there was something about kind of going and, and then trying to spend the days uh, writing and and trying to you know uh, trying to get under the hood of songs and yeah all that. Uh, it didn't really work out that way, or it didn't work out the way I planned anyway. There's not a lot happening in Lanzarote. No, I I got pretty good at surfing, right? And bat and ball. Oh yeah, you know beach bat and ball, yes. like a sort of squash ball in the bat. I got pretty good at that. Um, Were you thinking then it was between that or music? I was thinking like, oh, go, well, go, go, go Olympics or something. A bat and ball, yeah. there. <laughs> uh, and there wasn't much in it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't try, like you can't play badminton, you can't do tennis, just. Beach Just and ball. beach bat and ball. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Beach bat and ball's a lot of fun. You, you don't see anymore, you know, the sticky pad? Yeah. Sticky pad and the tennis ball? Yeah, yeah. Like, no matter what's going on in your life. I like the one you where you got to put it in your head. head and you catch it. Have you not seen it? It's like Velcro around it and you catch it with your head. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, you look like a right fucking bell end. No, it, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the ladies aren't watching that being like, that's a sexy bastard. I know, look at that. Oh, jeez, he's fucking gorgeous, him, isn't he? I like the look of him. There's no groupie scene. No, there's no. For the bat and ball head guys, you no, know. No, no, no. Uh, head the balls. Right. Yeah, <laughs> Lanzarote. Yeah, I, I went to Lanzarote a few years ago with my dad for a lads' holiday, and um, there's not a lot going on. No, we, we were. He's a big Tenerife guy, my dad. We Dennis, and then oh, yeah. he tried Lanzarote. He's like, it's not happening. He likes to strip and play Las Americas in Tenerife. He likes to strip and what? No, he doesn't like to strip. Well, he does like to strip. He likes the strip in Place Las Americas in Tenerife. Oh, okay. Big strip of bars and restaurants. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And it's all happening there. Um, can I ask you the meaning behind a song that I'm, I'm curious about? Aye. Um, if Christopher calls. Uh-huh. Um, so that's a song. So we, in the house, like, we listen to you a lot. Um, and weirdly, like, part of, the, part of the reason I'm, like, such a big fan is... Um, I was putting together a playlist. I DJed um, both of my kids being born. 
in the in the delivery suite. Yeah. I DJ'd that. And my wife's like, you've plenty of jobs to do. And I went, I'm yeah. going to do one job and I'm going to nail it. Right? So I put the playlist together. Um, I curated the playlist. And um, I like it. We we put a lot of your music on there because oh. it's uh, my wife's a big fan too. So I I feel a huge connection to your music because it reminds me of that. It reminds me of like my kids being born, huh. and um, the does it remind you of your kids being made? <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank God you said that because I was genuinely about to. Uh, Get emotional there. Um, <laughs> really, there, there, there's songs on that that, when they're on, they remind me of of, of my kids being born. Love so, that, mate. Uh, and the, especially guiding light, like there was from the, my first son, it was peak COVID times when he was born. So it was cr- like the delivery room was crazy. There was a lot going on, uh-huh. and me and my wife both remember through all the madness that song, kind of playing. Wow. So um, that always kind of makes me emotional. That song. And then today on the way to the pod, um, I had a playlist on, and that's when Christopher calls is a song I, I, I really like, but I can't really work out what it's about. Yeah, oh, it's a dark one. Like, it's uh, a <clears throat> my my second ex-wife, the second of the wives that I fucked up. Uh, it was her to uh, passed away. Um, uh. Yeah, fuck. This is dark. Is it all right? No, yeah. Look, if, if you're if you're comfortable talking, but I nearly burst into tears twenty seconds ago, so we're <laughs> we're all good. Well, you know what? It was like like I've always been fascinated with hope. The idea of hope, hence the first record being mm-hmm. hope, because hope's a hope's a heartbreaker. Like when there's hope, when you have hope, when there is no hope, that's that's the greatest heartbreak of all. Yeah. Almost. And it was basically a situation like that where my uh my ex wife, her dad had passed. She called me and she was telling me what had happened. And she was when she was telling me about it, she was going, Do you do you think he's passed? Do you think he's passed? And in my mind I'm going, Oh I from what you're telling me, yeah, your dad's already gone. She was about to hop a cab and get over to the house and yeah. Hopefully get there and and then she was she was like, Oh, I better get off the phone, you know, in case he calls. Right. In case my mum calls back and he's all right. Yeah. And I remember just hanging up the phone and just thinking I don't know, just that moment of like, you know, I, I didn't want to say, Oh, darling, he's definitely he's definitely gone. Yeah. So there was a there was a bit of I I I went down the hope road with her, it was like, Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe you get yourself a cab. Maybe you call back, and then it just—I thought that was so devastating. You know, like waiting for someone to call. It's just never gonna. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it's it's an incredible song, and and um, yeah. There's just the. It's crazy how a song can evo- evoke so much because there's so many songs in that playlist that. I, I I would literally like find myself like nearly filling up to, but it's it's because it's it's maybe not necessarily the words or it, it it's the feeling that that can give me in my soul about thinking about my kids. So that's why the music your music is very special to me because it uh, 
reminds me of that. Thank you. No problem. And hey, you've hit on something there. I think that's it's, and I think this is in in art in general, not just music. Music's a a a, a kind of a an art form that 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 sort of a lot of people understand, but it's in every art form that sort of transcendental quality. It's not just it's not just the joke. It's not just the layout of the joke. It's just it's not just your physicality when you're telling a joke, which is a huge thing, yeah, right? Yeah. A punchline delivered with certain a different physicality is a different punchline altogether. All that kind of stuff. You've got all the composite parts that you got to think about. But then when you touch on that bit where all the composite parts become sort of irrelevant and this transcendental, this sort of subliminal, this other arena opens up yep. that you can't describe. Yep. And I, to me, that's the point of music. It's like, if you could describe that, then there would be no need for art. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's art's job is to kind of point to something beyond it all. It goes, that's the, that's the bit we're actually trying to portray, but it's... yeah. The, unportrayable is that a word I think I just made up a word I'm the last guy you should be asking because yeah, I yeah. didn't know what that word meant earlier and you offered me five million pounds to yeah. repeat that word I wouldn't be able to the one that we couldn't work out the, the oh, yeah. definition I'll give you a fiver if you can repeat it no I genuinely I won't be able to I don't know I think I know about 36 words <laughs> and I've used them all I'm out <laughs> I um, the first song of yours that felt like more than a song to me was Indiscriminate Act of Kindness mm. because when I, I remember the first time I heard that song I almost played it like a I almost heard saw like a music video for it in my head so like the characters that you're singing about I was almost picturing and picturing like a place for them mm. and all that kind of thing so y you know it's it's great when music is just more than mm. a song and you like the sound of the song but it just it means it means so much more what what is your favorite song of all of your songs of my own yeah <laughs> you have to have one that if you were you know, if you got to play like a, what's what's funny to me is how modest you were about that. And if anyone asked me what's my favorite joke, I'd have an answer straight. Up. I'd be oh, like, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. If there's, I have a top ten. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, but if you were, you know, if you were asked to play like maybe there was a uh, a radio show or a, or a TV appearance that you really wanted to do, and they said like you got to play something for us, is there is there a song of yours that you would jump to before the rest? Probably just the last one I wrote. Oh really? Usually. Yeah. Usually, I mean, I suppose that is that like would that be the same as comedy in that because you feel like you're excited about it, so you think yeah. you'll deliver it, like, ah, uh, wherever, yeah, probably. Because I have jokes that from back in the day that I know like are better than a lot of the other stuff, but I'm almost like I'm over it, you know. Yeah, they're all whereas the new stuff there might be new jokes that aren't as good, but they're still like exciting to me and. So, Do you think your new jokes aren't as good as your old jokes? No, I think my new jokes are going to be as good Surely as my old not, jokes. that's not no, a good trajectory no, no. you're on there. No, but I mean, like, I have, bit, say, like, from the last tour. So, I'm at the minute, I'm doing work in progress shows. Right. So, I'm, I'm figuring all this stuff out. But I know that by the time I finished the last tour, there was bits that, to me, were that perfect for me. Mm -hmm. That I go, I know this is will get a laugh. But there's stuff I'm just trying out at the minute will be what I want it to be but it just isn't there yet mm -hmm. but I'm excited to do it because I love the figuring it out because anything could happen while you're trying to figure it out yeah right you know you could just deliver a one word slightly differently and all of a sudden it's a great it's a great bit compared yeah. to what it was do you know what comedy is a it's an interesting thing to be doing now and and like honestly I'm more inspired by fighters and comedians <laughs> right than I am by any artists around at the moment. Okay. To me, they're the, they're the two art forms that they're the last bastions of neck on the line. Mm. 
you know, uh, like a f- like fighters, for instance, putting their very lives on the line. Yeah. You know, how much trust in your art form do you have to have to go on the cage when someone else is trying to take your head <laughs> yeah, off? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... Uh, I think unless you're approaching your art like that, you're not doing it right. Yeah. And I think comedians as well, maybe not your lives, but your livelihood. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Shane McGillis. Yeah, yeah. Cancelled before he even got started. Yes. Uh, for being hilarious. He's as done far the pub before. Think. He's done the pub. Was he? Mm-hmm. It's with Zoom times where like you could get like, people were like, yes, because they could do it, you know, at yeah. home. Uh, but he's done the pub before and we, we chatted about that. He was doing Saturday Night Live and there was an old podcast episode he'd done. And yeah, I guess the cancel culture sort of movement yeah. came after him, and now he's he just did uh, Vicker Street in Dublin last night. But he's he's huge. He's one of the biggest comedians in America now. I mean, I think if you if you overthink it when you're on stage, hmm. you you wouldn't be funny because you'd be so worried. Because anything I say can be taken wrong by anyone. Yeah. So there could be someone who comes up to it happens very rarely, but it happens. Someone could come up to me after the show. You know, I might have a bit. For talk's sake, I don't on this tour, but I might have a bit about um, getting into, into an argument with someone in a wheelchair over a parking space, a hypothetical situation. Someone could go up to me after and go, I didn't like that offended me, you can't do that. But I, I'm saying, I can't then do any material because mm-hmm. anything could offend anyone and I can't mm-hmm. approach it like that. Nothing I do, I don't. I mean, I'm not a shock comedian, I don't have anything that, that tries to offend, but of course some of it's going to offend some people. But I... I I don't think you can be, if you're worried about being cancelled and that kind of thing, it's, it will get into your head. Oh, right. It could happen at any, I could, I, I, I don't do like a word for word script. I've never done that. I used to when I started, you know, like it was almost a monologue. Right. And now I have a beginning, middle and end for my jokes, but in between, anything could happen because that excites me. I would hate to do the same show over and over again. Mm. I would get bored of it. Mm-hmm. So what I like at the minute is anything, I could say anything. I could definitely say, I have to go into every gig knowing that this could be my last gig. Mm. You know, it, it really, it, it's that easy to say the wrong thing, but. Oh, I, I find that, see when I'm home, like last night I said some things that I, I got off stage <laughs> and a, a couple of people were like, you shouldn't have said that about your ex-wife. <laughs> to me, it's like, especially where we come from, I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, it's the most offensive thing you can say sometimes yes. is, is the funniest, because, and it's not yeah. because people are tr- it's just like the thing that you shouldn't say yeah but you have to if co- if comedian's job is to is to make you laugh and find the funny and things that might yeah. not, ser- not necessarily be laughing matter that's that's the job description and yeah, if you right. get it wrong and you make mistakes well we all make mistakes in our job but if you were trying to make something funny maybe you got it wrong maybe it wasn't funny and it was offensive you, you, you maybe have to hold your hands up and go shit I fucked up on that one but it but yeah. it's now become you make one mistake and you're done there's no I don't normally say this or anything like that. Mm. I don't know. But but yeah, your job is to entertain the crowd. You're going to do that with whatever comes into your head. Yeah, right. And it's such a... And now that everyone has a mobile phone, it's such a... I know. And some of the shit that comes into my head, I'm yeah. sure it's the same. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. The stuff I filtered last night was... Like, right. Know. That's like people nowadays who go, you got a thought journal. <laughs> and you're going, I can't write down the shit that's in... I can't have a I written have record. Tourettes. Yeah. I can't, this is evidence if I write this down, you know. <laughs> this is going to be used to put me in the McGalbury, you know. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I've got to ask you about this. I've got massively into Yellowstone, the TV program at the minute. Right. Um, we're about eight or nine episodes in. I love it, right? I've, right. I bought a few, like, uh, clo- inspired clothing. Mm-hmm. And, and I know when I get around to wearing it, it won't be cool. 
right. I'm, I'm buying a few outfits and going did wear this in Yellowstone and I'm re- remembering I live in Hollywood you know yeah. um, I'm not Russell and Carol you know um, but you've done a song with uh, with Luke Grimes Grimes who mm-hmm. is uh, Casey in Yellowstone uh-huh. um, which is so cool to me and it's like you know when two worlds collide and you're like where's this come from this is yeah. great. Like that felt like a Truman Show moment for me because I'm such a big fan of yours. I'm start watching Yellowstone, so I think I'm in a TV show, and they've done this just as like a treat for me. You know what I mean? We did. Yeah. Congratulations! Yes, Happy yes. birthday. <laughs> that so he uh, I saw on his Instagram he's a big fan of yours, mm. and he hadn't uh, correct me if I'm wrong. He hadn't put out music publicly or that kind of thing. Yeah, no. And then he gets in touch with you, and you guys make this song, which is yeah. fucking great. Yeah, it was originally a, a, a mate of his or a mutual friend, this guy Jeff, uh, had uh, hooked us up on text and whatnot, and we were meant to write, but it just never worked out. Uh, uh, the stars never aligned. Um, but then I wrote a song with a mate of mine, Elsie, uh, that Hold On song. Yeah. And uh, Luke heard it, loved it, and cut it. I was happy enough with that. I was like, well, there you go. We were texting each other back and forth. I was saying, there you go, mate. At least I'm on the record in some shape or form because we had hoped to write together. Um, and we still will, please go. Uh, but I, then when he reached out to to do the duet. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, of course. It's excellent because you sort of see that and you're like, you know, you can go, or you know, he's, is it that he's he's on this TV show so he thinks he's going to try and, music? you know, that could that could be like a terrible record. If you hadn't told me who it was, mm. it's a f- fucking great, yeah, no, great he's, song. He's, he's beautifully sang. Yeah, he's a great singer. He's a great singer. You know who else is an incredible singer who I would love to do a record Kevin with? Kevin Costner? No, that'd be interesting, though, wouldn't it? Oh, you and Costner cutting an album? Me, you Call and Costner cutting an album? He watches. So. Uh, I me, heard he's a big fan of yours, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Jimmy Marsden, James Marsden. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just watched uh, the courtroom thing with him. The Have court- you seen this? <laughs> Did you watch it? <laughs> I haven't seen it all, but it's fucking hilarious. One of the it? best. He's amazing. Yeah, he's great. So well, me and him are going to do a track. incredible singer. I he was in Hairspray. Is he? Yeah. I haven't seen it, but uh, he's Connie Collins in Hairspray in the in the remake. And he's got one it. of those voices that levels a room. Right. Uh, and funny because he's such a chipper yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. dude, but then uh, the only thing, <laughs> he only sings like sad, morose, dark uh, songs, right. you know. So you and him going to work on something? I'd love to. We've we've talked about it. We've yeah. talked about it. Uh, you could just like your favorite like actors and stuff. Co-writer to the stars. Yeah, you just get in touch with them. Just make, make a track with whoever you want. Yeah. That, um, and we'll call Kevin next. Yeah, I, I bet you Kevin Costner can sing. Even if he can't, we'll just but, get him to talk. Yeah. He's. Do you watch Yellowstone? No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's a it's, it's a really thing good. because my my girlfriend who's from Texas. Uh, her and her family love it and they sat me down one night uh, in Scotland to, to watch this they were all excited right. but it was season 5 which it, in fairness is the wrong time to join a, a any show yeah uh, yeah yeah episode 5 season 5 is not the right time to come in no it was, it was episode 1 of season 5 but even still you know I was making jokes and looking around and none of them were laughing I was going oh wait you Oh no, you're not. Nobody a talk- sees the irony in this. You're not a talk during the episode guy, are you? Uh, no, only if only if the show is shit. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think you were sh- you then showed them give my headpiece. 
you were like, you just need to watch this. Oh, God. Yeah. If you're going to make me watch this, <laughs> a load of white Americans talking about how their way of life is taken away from Nobody sees the irony in this. They're like, who's Uncle Andy? You're just showing them that. Oh, dear, dear, dear. Uh, yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, Pain in the hole, gang. <laughs> <laughs> Who have you, um, you, because you've worked with so many, like, great artists, has anyone, like, made you a little bit stuck? You strike me as a guy who wouldn't get starstruck, but has anyone, like, you've been in a room with someone, been in a, in a studio with anyone that's, like, proper made you nervous? No. Uh, start. You know, the one time that I thought, I want the selfie. Uh, today was with Magic Johnson oh yeah yeah sports sports if I was to see Ronnie O'Sullivan I'd be like <laughs> someone introduced me somebody introduced me yeah. quite like you know uh, you know someone like that where did you meet Magic? Uh, I was doing a benefit gig in in the House of Blues in LA I don't even know what it what uh, how I got the gig or what the deal was but um I was doing the music and he was the speaker. He was the guest speaker and I stood in line. Right. Uh, and got all tongue-tied and all... <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the only time I can think of even thinking I want to get a selfie with that person. Yeah. But no, not 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 musically, no. Right. Um, you... Because when you do come home, obviously, like, it's such a an event... How often are you home? Are you just home for shows or do you spend time here? I'm just home for show. I'm not even here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I don't spend a lot of time here. I have uh, three kids myself. Uh, or, um, admittedly, one of them's grown up now. She's an adult, but I have two wee boys. So when I'm not working on the road, I'm usually at home kind of mm -hmm. doing school runs and uh, doing life. Yeah. Well, you know. School run, the school run's fun. It is, isn't it? Do you know what I find? We do like a night old school dance soundtrack for the school run. Oh, yeah? Me and my boys. Now, it's only started. They've only started nursery like this week. And that's how I started, just by chance. We were listening to uh, Zombie Nation or Maniac 2000 or something. Right. Because I was playing that on my way home from a show. So now, every day, we just like get a full rave on. On the oh, way from I, the school I don't run. know any, either of those names you just mentioned. I you think. don't know Maniac 2000? Well, maybe if I heard it, was it go like? By Mark McCabe. Uh, no, I don't want to. I'm not going to sing in front of you, but if I have to, um, no, shut up, Tony. Um, no, I don't. Uh, I don't want to sing in front of you because I no, because I don't have time to cut a record, and we're going to have to. You're going to listen to me sing, and then be like, "All right, we have to do a track." <laughs> With your Hollywood pine, I don't know. I'm just get spitballing, but uh, no, you you don't come on. You have no maniac too. Mike, if I play that, uh, just play a second of that. My phone will get. Will we get copyright strike or anything? Okay. Well, can we not cut it out? No, we can't edit this, no? No, we can put it in. Maniac 2000 is like the dance anthem for like my generation. It's by a guy called Mark McCabe, who's a DJ from, I think Mark's from like Dundalk or somewhere. Right. And um, this is like the ultimate, like when we used to, when we were going to discos and stuff, Maniac 2000 just like, Maniac 2000 did so much for the peace process because it was one of the only tracks that both sides were like, that's a fuck, that's a belter. Like, oh yeah? That's a belter, yeah, yeah. Um, Stop throwing stones for a wee second here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Maniac 2000. Here we go. If you don't know the first few bars, then you won't know it. It was recorded live. Here we go. I never thought I'd be doing this, we. Right, I'll fast forward it. 
She's a maniac, maniac on the floor. I think it's a it's a rework of an old oh, 80s yeah, song. Yeah. yeah. She's a maniac, maniac on the floor. Yeah, that's an old song for. So this is honestly get into it. Think about it for the school run. Yeah, I'll, I'm writing that down as we speak. <laughs> <out>. <laughs> but yeah, I guess you're just doing like real life things. Where uh, so you do you spe- do you live in? I live in Scotland. You? Oh, okay. Yeah, up in the high or at the foot of the Highlands. Yeah, because I see so many like uh, live recordings you do from there, and yeah. You, so, so, so that's like, is that like the places you live? You live like proper like. That's exactly where I. I've live, been yeah. in Dingwall. Dingwall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Looking, I did a um, me and a guy uh, who plays for Northern Ireland went to look for the Loch Ness monster for a video. The IFA basically like Northern Ireland football team went. We right. do social media videos for us, and I went yeah. yeah. They went, do you want to just like interview the players about football? And I went, nah, let's do stuff that's a bit wacky. And one of the guys, Liam Boyce, had just signed for, he's from West Belfast, he just signed for Ross County right. up near Dingwall. And I said, why don't we, me and you, go and look for the Loch Ness Monster and we'll film it. And we did that. And then I didn't really do any more videos for the AFA. <laughs> it's not what they were after. They're like, well, you we don't want find this. it, so you know what I mean? We did. Oh, did you? We did. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to spoil the video for yeah. you, but we found it. It's Her name's in, Sheila. It's in, <laughs> it's in Dingwall. Um, what do you do when you when you come home? Is there like a a, a place you'll go to? Is like a ritual? Like is there a restaurant you like or a uh, the water, the tea, the water? Just walk down by the water for sure. Um, I, there's something about Aberfeld is great because it's just like there's a glorious lack of human intent, right? And it doesn't take long to get there. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, the bottom of my road, I'm by the river. Mm-hmm. And you may as well be a million miles away, you know. Uh, <clears throat> and that's very leveling, very settling, kind of. Like, you ever hear people talk about, you know, the silence is deafening? Mm-hmm. And it can make you go a bit crazy, which is why people up there tend to be a bit feral. Right, yeah, you yeah. Know, it's, it's, <laughs> it can be wild up there. but I, um, I stopped on, on walks, if I go for, like, a walk. Uh, I stopped listening to headphones. Yeah. And I, I enjoy the walk so much more. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm like listening. I'm listening to nothing. That's the pace of life. Yeah. That, uh, that I think we're we're meant to be used to. Not yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we're used to kind of three seconds of clip. A load of people died. A cat fell into a pool. There's those shoes I like. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, Do you? Um, you must. It must be great to have the following at home that you have because there are so many people from here that are playing all around the world and have done that that are maybe re- just you know bigger in another place where uh, and they maybe lose that connection from home so coming home is just another stop on the tour whereas when you come home everybody wants to go to it it's you know a lot of people who say i don't know what that saying is as we were established i don't really know words but you're not a messiah in your homeland a prophet, a prophet's never accepted in their own town. Yeah, exactly. So, because you, you know, left here like when you were young and went around the world, it must be great to have the following here that you have, even though like you're not living here. And yeah. Because well, this is still home. It still feels yeah. like coming home. You know yeah, what of mean? course. And of it's course. still kind of, <clears throat> and I do have to like. I have to watch myself when I'm doing home gigs because I feel like I'm talking to mates yeah, yeah, yeah. all the time, even though it's probably a room full of people that I don't know, you know, for the most part. Uh, it feels like <clears throat> I feel very comfortable, mm-hmm. you know. It, uh, home gigs are very different to gigs anywhere else. Yeah. 
in the world. What's your favourite um, Belfast venue? Everyone I know has a different answer. Prefers a different... Yeah, do you know what? I, I was asked this the other day and like the first ones that come to mind were the Rotterdam Bar. I used okay. to love playing the Rotterdam Bar. Just mm-hmm. the, you know, low ceilings, you know, stanky. Yeah. Uh, packed, sweaty. Yes. <clears throat> the Menagerie, I used to love playing the Menagerie. Yeah, they'd stand up once. They tried to get a comedy club going once there. Yeah. Didn't really work. Um, it's in the Holy It's like in such a weird place <coughs> That it's yeah. in the middle of the Holy Land That's right Yeah Just the bottom, uh, just off the Armour Road um, With regards to the kind of venues I played the last while The Ulster Hall uh, You know Has to be in the conversation for sure It's a iconic venue It's killer uh, sound First time I did Ulster Hall I was a rabbit in the headlights Oh yeah I was not ready for it And I couldn't I, I did the show The hour long show In about 40 minutes <laughs> And then I had to just fill <laughs> the rest <laughs> But I just It just it hit me. Yeah, I thought I overthought it, and it was just too much. Now, the yeah. second time I did it, I felt way more comfortable on stage. But the 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 shock that I had the first time I did that, I also didn't know about when you deliver a joke somewhere that size, you got to let it sit before the laugh comes back. Yeah. Whereas you do a comedy club like somewhere like the Rotterdam, uh, not that they do comedy, but it, it, it's an instant response. So I blazed through it at the Ulster Hall. I was like, they're not laughing. And then it took me so long to realise if you give it a second, the laugh comes back. Yeah. So I, I I cringe when I look back at like the first the first gig that I um that I did there. Um I, I would love it if you could move your Sunday night show to Monday. Because I'm doing banger on Sunday night. <coughs> well, Sunday night I'll be back in Aberfeldy, so I don't have I don't Oh you're Thursday, show. Friday, Saturday? Yeah. Fuck. I'm in Newcastle. I'm in the Moy tonight. Oh yeah, yeah, up in Tyrone. I'm in the Moy tonight, and then Wall Garden in Bangor, which is oh, one of my favourites of the year. Open House Festival. Oh yeah, that's a great Wall festival. Garden. Yeah. Oh, so well ran. Crowds are brilliant. It's bring your own booze, but no one like they're like so civil. Uh, you know, and oh, very Bangor. Very, but people bring your own, but it's like cheese, yeah, and they're like smuggled. I thought it was gear, but it's like cheese boards <laughs> and all the bringing. You know, people bringing in brie, but uh, I, I. Gigging there, uh, Bangor actually because the there isn't a regular good. comedy club. Bangor is such a big place, but there isn't a regular comedy club. So any Yet. opportunity, the courthouse. Have you ever have you done the courthouse? They've no, just done it up. I've been in it, but I haven't I haven't played in it. I was there last week. It's great. Yeah, it's so good. Um, yeah, I'm got it. I can't go to those shows, but um, Tony, what night are you going? Tomorrow. Oh yeah, tomorrow. yeah, good man. Try not fuck it up. <laughs> um. I, I really, really appreciate you coming on the podcast. I wanted to have you on the podcast for a long time, but obviously you're all over the world. Um, and oh, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted that you've come on. It's great to, great to meet you. Um, you too, brother. What, um, what's your next like big project? Like, is there anything coming out? Obviously, ten years since the yeah, Joy of ten nothing years album. of joy of nothing. That that's out now. I'm going to release a single, a reimagined sort of version of Guiding Light. That uh, could be some guests on there. Is the plan? Uh, I've got your. We've got his number, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Seven. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not going to charge for that. Just let you know. Good man. Yeah, yeah. Write that down. We, don't worry. We're not going to call either. So it's good. <laughs> it's, a, it's a win-win. <laughs> uh, got that coming out. And next year, I'm going to do some more. I go back in the studio. I've had this idea for a while of songs unsung, because I write with a lot of artists. Uh. And then those songs don't always make their records, but they're good songs and they're just mm-hmm. sat in a hard drive somewhere. I'm thinking, well, that's a waste of a oh, song. Oh, okay, right. So I'm thinking maybe I 
maybe I'll just release them then. If you aren't going to release them, can I? There's talk of doing that. Um, and I've had my first outing as a producer for, uh, for Bonnie Bishop. I've just produced her record. We just finished it. That'll be out next year. Uh, other than that, uh, we'll see. We'll um, see. You know what me and my manager were talking about today? What? What do we do? Going on tour and... Uh, I used to bring a spoken word artist to open up for me, like right. Polar Bear Poet or... Great. Uh, that was a big thing back in the day that they don't do anymore. Yeah, right. You know, like poets would open for bands? Yeah. Things like that? Well, the idea of going with a comedian. Where are we going? I don't know. Where do you want to go? Have Nashville? You said you want to go to Nashville. You've never been. Right enough. Can we do a show in Nashville? Let's do it. <gasps> I would love that. Let's do it. No, I wouldn't charge for music, but for comedy, I would need something like. Oh, yeah. I need something like, yeah. even like my dinner or something, would be class. Ah, right, listen, we'll get you a vanilla coffee and some Twinkies. You'll be fine. Here, that'd be really, that'd be really good. Yeah, I would love that. I do like, I'll do like, I'll do fifteen minutes, something like that. Yeah, and I'll do ten. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, when? What dates do? That's for verbal contract. <laughs> um, Foy, thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate Thank you. it. Thanks a million.